When you look at those that continue to lift weights, difficulty continue to do things that are difficult into their old age, they live longer. And a lot of studies have been showing that the, the death begins as we start pushing away difficulty and seeking comfort. We are Gold Ivy. Our mission is to empower you to own and unleash your truth. Stories of resiliency are gold and ivy grows in hard places. Those hard places are what creates space for light to shine through. You decide what works for your daily life and how to transform our lessons into your gold. This is Ivy Unleashed, a Gold Ivy production. We are so grateful you're here today. Our mission is to provide as much value as possible in any way we can, and you are going to be so happy you tuned in. Our guest today has a presence unlike anyone we've interviewed before. Considered by many as the leading authority on leadership and influence, Renee Rodriguez is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, leadership advisor, and transformational speaker coach. For the last 27 years, Renee has been researching and applying behavioral neuroscience to solve some of the toughest challenges in leadership, sales, and change. He is the author of Amplify Your Influence, which was selected as the best business book in 2022 by Summary.com. Renee has also shared the stage with Ed Milet, Tony Robbins, John Gordon, Gary Vaynerchuk, Ryan Holiday, and many more. We loved our time with Renee and asked Renee questions that he's not used to answering. We are so excited for you to hear his powerful answers. So let's get to this episode of the Ivy Unleashed podcast. Welcome back to the Ivy Unleashed podcast. Today we are talking about influence. Whether you are a mother, a woman of business, wherever you are in life right now, listening to this conversation is going to uplevel your life in so many ways because we are sitting with a powerhouse of a man, Renee Rodriguez. Welcome to Ivy Unleashed. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, we are pumped. We're a little intimidated. You are a very powerful man. Your presence is what you talk about, right? Being an influencer, being someone that commands a stage, there's a lot that goes into this. And the reason I know this, I kind of knew it before, but then I read your book. And it's very important that if you're reading this book or you're thinking about reading this book, that you know you're going to be learning about the brain a lot, which we love to talk about. So Renee's book is Amplify Your Influence, Transform How You Communicate and Lead. Thank you for writing this book because this is going to help us so much. And thanks for reading it. Yeah. And That's we're going to come to your event and get to put this into action, which we're kind of scared about, but really excited <laughs> about too. You'll, you'll love it, especially if you read the book ahead of time. It's, it's just going to, it's going to be a lot of fun. You'll like it. Yeah. I want to know right off the bat, when did you start to believe you were worthy of having influence over people? Hmm. So can I reframe that question just a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's two pieces in there. One, I think there's a worthiness question, Mm -hmm. which I think stands on its own, which we should probably make sure we come back to. But then it's the concept of influence over people. Go back to when you were kids. If you've ever dealt with kids, there's an unconscious knowledge that there's certain ways that we do things that will generate uh, a better result. So if we think about influence from that really super elementary format if i if i give puppy dog eyes let's say a kid i give puppy dog eyes i might get a little bit more sympathy and if i ask over and over and over again repeat myself just become annoying i might get what i want if there's you know if i'm nice and i do nice things and i scratch your back and say mommy can i you know I, or you want a foot rub and you realize that there's a there's a reciprocity involved so i think we learn that there's certain things that happen early on that we have influence over 
And so if we think about it from that perspective, you learn that early. Are we conscious of it? Probably not. And I think that there's, it's like almost like we learn how to drive a car and based on how we're taught how to drive that car, we drive it. But if you, what if you're driving a car for 20, 30 years and somebody said, hey, did you know this had three more gears? And you're like, what? Yeah, the, your Honda can actually go 200 miles an hour. Like, no. And then you get in, they show it to you. You're like, oh my God. Well, that's what learning how to intentionally use influence. And that's where the brain comes in. And that's why we look, because you start realizing there's other things we can do and other things that we can tap into that make it even more effective. And so that, that'd be how I would think about that. And I think probably is when I learned selling. That's when I realized that you could really have a bigger, is it control or maybe more, um, maybe that is the word. Because you start realizing that persuasion, how you ask questions, when you add and you nod and you say, would you like to do this? And you're nodding your head. And you know that was an old school sales technique. So should we hold getting set you up with this? And you're nodding your head forward. It becomes sort of uh, con uh, contagious. And these are old school sort of things, but you realize that there's things that I can do that affect an outcome. Probably when I was 18 years old. Now, the worthiness question, man, that's a continual battle, I think. Still having that one. Oh, good. I want to keep talking about this. I think that's so important. And worthiness is something that we all, whether or not we're conscious of it, it's affecting how we behave in the world and what we do. You know, Brooke and I are entrepreneurs that weren't trained in business, weren't trained in selling, and we're trying to sell something constantly. And so that's why your book is so valuable to us right now in the season, because we have a podcast that's very valuable. We have a presence that's very val valuable and energy that's valuable. And we are getting hired at corporate events, but we want to be hired more. Or we want to be on more stages and we want people to buy our move memberships because it's full of value. But if you don't have the right sequence of delivering something, the right marketing, the right ads, the right language. I mean, I learned so much in your book too about even just putting like these things I know that I don't know into like words that I can understand and start to piece together. Like I feel like I have homework and I'm excited to get into it. So with cool. that, like when you started getting, getting into selling in that uncomfortable space of asking for what you want, you know, it's valuable, but you have to ask for it. What did that process look like for you of starting to get more confident? Mm, Dre, your house smells like a spa. Well, thank you. What is that smell? It's my Rosemary Mint All-Purpose Surface Cleaning Spray from The Clean Nest. I met these two female entrepreneurs that are actually sisters from Minnesota. After 10 years of owning and managing a successful all-natural cleaning business, they decided to create their own all-purpose cleaning spray, and I am so happy I found it. Katie and Angela are passionate about creating clean, beautiful spaces for all families and keeping their home and earth environment clean for future generations. So it's non-toxic because these products we use in our homes and breathe in directly affect our health. Our hormones and gut health are affected by toxic overload. Yes, it's non-toxic, which is so important in the home with little ones as well. Their products are created using truly clean and safe ingredients. No greenwashing. They use only pure essential oils, which are known for their disinfecting properties. I use it on mirrors, windows, countertops, even granite, sinks, stovetops, the microwave, dusting, spills, and messes throughout my house, interior of my car, toilets, you name it. They also have lemon mandarin and fresh basil scents. My condo needs to smell like this. So how do I get my hands on the clean nest? 
Well, they ship anywhere in the U.S. And lucky for you, they're offering Ivy Unleashed listeners 10% off any order with the promo code GOLDIVY. They also always offer free shipping on any order over $100. So head on over to thecleannest.com for your all-purpose cleaning spray and make cleaning more enjoyable. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Every episode of Ivy Unleashed is dedicated to empowering you to take ownership of your health. And what it really comes down to is prioritizing your mental health. We've both seen the beauty and growth that therapy can bring and are thrilled to partner with BetterHelp to allow you the opportunity to feel heard and seen by a professional. The National Alliance on Mental Health reports that 155 million people live in a designated mental health professional shortage area, and BetterHelp is working to close that gap. I've personally used BetterHelp and loved it because it was all online, making it super convenient. The biggest piece for me was how affordable it is. I was able to choose the therapist that met my needs. I came in with wanting to work on childhood trauma and anxiety, and it was unbelievable to see how many options I had with all the different backgrounds of therapists. With BetterHelp, you have access to a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness. And sometimes we can't see our own patterns and behaviors until we talk them out and get an unbiased perspective. It's really nice to have someone who doesn't know you and has the professional background to help you thrive in your daily life. It has made the world of a difference with every relationship in my life, including the one with myself. To get started, all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire about your needs and preferences and choose your therapist out of the options they give you. You can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. Also, you can switch therapists at no additional charge until you find the right fit for you. The best investment you can make is in yourself. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash goldivy. That's betterhelp.com slash goldivy. Take the first step to inner peace and freedom today. And now back to the show. You know, I think it begins small. Uh, back way back in the day, uh, I read a book called The Aladdin Factor. It was Jack, not Jack Canfield, but um, the guy that co-wrote Chicken Soup for the Souls. Jack Canfield, and I'm not even remember, I'm forgetting his name, but it was called The Aladdin Factor, and it was it talked about the research behind how you're more likely to get what you want if you just ask for it. I mean, it sounds so elementary, <laughs> it, and it, it's like if you just ask for it. Well, but then you realize how many people just go around assuming they're entitled to something and somebody to to read their minds. It's not how it works. And it's hard to ask for what you want. It is really hard sometimes. It's hard to ask for what what it is that you want. And especially, you know, let's say, you know, we're all we're all three of us are here in Minnesota. It's considered boisterous to do that. It's you know, there's a Midwestern, you don't ask and you don't push and you don't become it. It's immodest to do that. And and so then you look at in you know the East Coast, it's like you know everybody asks exactly for what they want. It's a little bit more more forward, if you will. And so it's it's hard to ask, but when you realize that if you just begin small, and you realize that for me it was I didn't like to make people have to guess how I was feeling or what I needed, and I hated trying to guess what someone needed because it's just a recipe for failure over and over and over again, especially in relationships. Yeah. And that applies. Yeah. I was going to say that applies to relationships. My husband always says, I can't read your mind. You know, it's, and so I think, especially as women, and as you know, our audience is mostly women, it's something that women struggle with is asking for help, asking for what they want, communicating what they want, which we feel like you're a master at. Like, 
when we saw you, met you, even like you have a million followers on TikTok. And what people, I think, they're getting a lot from you, but I think it's this commanding of your presence. It's commanding of, I deserve to take up space and I can show you how to be powerful in that. Like just even, I'm already holding my hands above my belly button because I know that that's more powerful. <laughs> it's so, Good for I, you. yeah, I want to get into why it's so important to command the space, whether it's in your relationship, your home, where you work, getting on a stage, like, why is that so important? Well, I think in a, we're in a highly distracted world and we're also in a world that is searching for some level of, of some sort of authority or um, what's the word? Not when I say authority, not sort of like he's an, but to be an authority, meaning somebody that has a confidence and a knowledge to guide us and lead. And presence begins internally. It's something that is, you can, I can teach you the body language, which is a, a big part of it because, but if you, you have to also do the inner work to go, okay, well, what is my presence here? And how do I sit and how do I stand? Is my chest out? Is my chin just slightly elevated? Have I learned to, to lower my voice when I ask for something, you know, you know, speaking from the diaphragm instead of from, from the, the throat, which sounds like this. And if I were to talk like this, it sounds very differently versus if I were to speak with a full voice, it resonates differently. It vibrates differently. It, it enters the room differently. And so you don't need size to have presence. I know people that are much smaller than me that have massive presence. And it's the way they stand. There's an energy to that. And that energy begins internally. Do you know yourself? Do you know, are you speaking on something you believe? I, just, I was doing a, a celebrity dinner last night in, in Vegas with a bunch of really, really cool people. And as the guy was leaving, he, he asked me, he goes, can I ask you a question? He goes, how do I, and it was exactly the question. It was just, just when did you learn how to speak with confidence? And it made me, it stopped me in my tracks. And I, I thought to myself, I said, you know, for me, it was, you have to be what you teach about before you teach it and talk about it. And if I realize that, one, I have to be it before I can tell people about it. So there's a, there's a work involved. There's years of practice of doing something. And then the, the mind shift of saying, so when I'm on stage, my job isn't to impress people. It's to express what I believe and my experience. And so then now, and then the third part would probably be a sense of understanding that there's a, it's a privilege to be on that stage because that audience has choices with their attention. And the fact that they've chosen you, meaning you are there to serve them. So stage is probably one of the biggest servant things that you can do, but most people think that it's for them. And that's where the ego speaker comes into play, which it. You know, and some people milk that for what it's worth. But for me, to me, it's that, that that's a place of service because you could put your attention anywhere else. You could have anybody on your podcast. You ask me to be on here. That's a, and if I come out here saying, oh, they're, you know, it's another podcast versus it's like, no, hold on a second. They're, they've asked me to share what I know. And my job is to serve you two and then your audience. And that shifts, I think, the energy and the intention behind what's going on. And then I'm not worried about sounding right. I'm worried, worried, and I'm focused on what do I believe and how do I best share that? And that, all that sort of combination of algorithm creates a sense of confidence, authenticity, and presence. And then when you practice it a lot, and then you do the fundamentals, slow your voice, use pauses, have good posture, smile from time to time, 
use voice inflection so it doesn't sound like it's monotone. You put all those pieces together and all of a sudden it creates the essence of who you are. And so for me, that's, that's been a lot of years in practice. Yeah. And you talk a lot about the brain, like Andrew said earlier. Will you just explain how all of those things you just shared affect the brain and how that plays into it? I, yeah, I think there's, I mean, we could talk about there for days in, <laughs> in that. I think you're, we're, we're looking, the, when it comes to body language and voice and things like that, what the brain is looking for, when I say the brain, the listener, because right? we're, if we're talking about influence, it's, it's about how do I first capture your attention? I got to capture it somehow. And, and that's a visual thing first. If unless it's an audio podcast, then it's going to be voice. But then, you know, it might be the, the graphics and the design used to in, in the thumbnail. So there's a visual because light travels faster than sound. And so that's going to be the first thing that I see. So I got to capture you and, and show up right and quote unquote show up. And so then at, at that point, it's, um, there's a lot of things that are involved in how then do we affect the brain? Because I've got to speak in a sequence that gets you to think and I've got to capture your attention. Then I got to get you to act on it at that point. And so, man, there's, <laughs> if, if the brain is looking for most importantly, when it comes to body language is congruency. And so what do I mean by that? Congruency in what I'm saying and how I sound and look. And so for, for example, if I were to say, hi guys, I'm really excited to be here today. <laughs> and so now it's like the words are, hi, I'm really excited to be here. But my tone and body are saying the opposite. So there's an incongruency there. Now, you don't have to be a body language expert to figure that out. Now, that's a really blatant one, but sometimes there's a, uh, yeah, guys, I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm looking off into the distance and there's all sorts of things that are communicating. And when we lack self-awareness, we're not realizing how many signals we're sending that are incongruent to what we're trying to say. And so the, the, that's why we always tell people the first, that's why chapter two was all around self-awareness. Mm -hmm. Like it's like, it's a whole chapter on, you got to figure out and look in the mirror and know how you affect the world before we can teach you anything. Yeah. If you can't do that part, none of these skills matter. Yeah. And I really don't think it's, I think this book is about life because in order to have a healthy relationship, me, I, I keep thinking about being a mom as I'm reading this book. Yes. I'm thinking about eventually on stage or in a book. And then I want to promote my book or whatever. But as a parent, like the first thing you need to do is to listen, right? And to be aware. Like you said, self-awareness is so crucial with anything you're doing because my kids know if I'm talking to them or they're talking to me and I'm looking at my phone, that I'm not listening to them. I'm not present. I'm not aware of myself. I'm not aware of what I'm doing with my hands, my body, my eyes, all of it. And so when I think of influence, a lot of people may think, oh, they're trying to talk about business completely. But I honestly think this is about life, right? This is mm -hmm. reading the room. This is walking into the party that you're nervous for. And really, step one is kind of calming your nervous system. Like you have a bunch of tips about managing stress in here. This book is brilliant because it's about showing up authentically and then communicating who you are by knowing who you are, which is something we talk about all the time. And so, can you talk about that? How Kind of the, like you said, the first step is more of like listening, slowing down, being aware of yourself before you even think about speaking or like having value outwardly that way. Yeah, I think it, what's interesting is the, when the more you understand your own content, let's say you've done the work and you've researched, because if you're speaking in front of a room, you're leading a meeting, mm. you should do some prep. I mean, 
too many people just don't prep. And I think it's a disservice to the people in the, in the audience. And so when you're thinking about that, some people will, I'll, I'll show up at an event. They're like, what are you speaking about today? And I'm like, oh, I'm not sure yet. And they look at me like, well, you don't even prepare. I'm like, I spoke 16 times this last month. <laughs> I'm prepared. 239 days I speak. It's all preparation. I spend nights reading. I'm prepping nonstop. My prep now is listening. It's listening. What does the audience need? Now, if I can do, if I know exactly the audience ahead of time, so there's a prep in saying, who's the audience? What needs to be done? And so I have a sense of what the modules I'll be talking about. But then when I get there, I will listen more. I would usually walk an audience. I'll, I usually try to arrive early. I get there before people get there and I stand and I shake hands and I ask questions. Where are you from? What do you do? Oh, okay, interesting. You guys, so health and wellness, very fascinating. So if you notice when I met you, I was walking around. I was trying to figure out who was in Jen's audience. And so I met you, you're like, oh, we're in health and wellness. I'm like, okay, so we've got some health and wellness people. I said, okay, we got people that sell candles. Okay, we have some entrepreneurs, some solopreneurs. We got, I found out somebody that does, you know, feminine waxing, which was, <laughs> you know, if you missed that on stage, that was a uh, quite the, the conversation because I found out in the middle of a lesson. <laughs> I think they call it bushwhacked. Um, <laughs> Plug for yep. bushwhacked. There you go. Well, Shout out bushwhacked. We love you. <laughs> The Boundary Boss did it again. Terry Quill created something that every person on the planet needs because it will help their relationships and peace of mind exponentially. It's the Boundary Boss Workbook, the right words and strategies to free yourself from burnout, exhaustion, and overgiving. Boundaries are necessary and a beautiful part of relationships if you have the tools and support to create and express them. I don't know about you, but setting boundaries, even though I know they're necessary, can be anxiety provoking because I know I could potentially make someone uncomfortable. In the Boundary Boss Workbook, you'll have Terry holding your hand in the process of understanding different types of boundaries and integrating them into your life to help you have stronger relationships and be able to show up authentically and at peace. I'm using it to set more effective boundaries and it's helping me protect my energy and set boundaries without guilt no matter who I'm around. Terry provides mindfulness practices, customizable scripts, mindset shifts, even fun games to help you understand yourself and effectively communicate your boundaries. I'm using the workbook to create awareness of my rigid boundaries and I'm using Terry's self-care tools to help me feel more at ease. The workbook is full of exercises that help me understand how I'm trying to protect myself and gives me more loving ways to communicate my needs. You don't have to set boundaries alone. Help yourself out with effectively understanding and communicating your boundaries and lean on the best tool out there. Snag your copy of the Boundary Boss Workbook by clicking the link in the show notes or head to BoundaryBossWorkbook.com today. Dre, tell the people as fast as you can why Move With Gold Ivy is the last mind-body fitness program they'll ever have to buy and how women are finally getting the transformation they're looking for. I love a challenge. Let's go. Two big things. One, Move provides a fun atmosphere to work out in that actually gets you excited to show up and follow through with your goals. Not only is there an element of fun, but we've carefully curated a program that makes it as easy as possible for women to take care of themselves. And two, a MOVE membership addresses every aspect of your health, mind and body. Our MOVE members are getting the physical transformation they've been hoping for and feeling like they've finally found the group that motivates them on a daily basis. What did I miss? As a MOVE member, you receive a weekly workout plan, weekly live or Zoom workouts, an on-demand workout library, transformational quarterly reset challenges, 
monthly coaching calls, monthly masterminds with health experts, and a private group of motivated members for support and accountability. It's ready for you when you're ready to boost your metabolism, confidence, and feel your absolute best. Join Move or learn more by clicking the link in the show notes, clicking the link in our bio on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok, or by messaging us on any social channel at Gold Ivy Health Co. It's your time. Move for your health, move for your confidence, move for your mental clarity, move with Gold Ivy. But you know, it's you're listening and you're saying, okay, so for me, listening to that is the preparation to saying, how do I then tailor the message to, to meet that need, which would be the tie down. I love it. Yeah. And I think it's important too, when you're, you're thinking of trying to come across a certain way in a room that you can really slow down and listen to like, what is everybody here even trying to focus on? I don't need to prove who I am and like be noisy. Like I can be like, okay, how can I be valuable here? What is, what are the pain points people are talking about or What's important? What's going on with my friend right now? They don't need me to speak. I need to hear what they need me to say. And so I love it. I think it's advice that can apply to a household and not just on stage is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think, think about what you just said there. I mean, if parents listen more, they, they understand their kids a lot more. If no. teachers listened. Yeah. You know, just listen. They're, they're, they're telling you. People are screaming at you what their values are and how to be influenced. If you just listen to what uh, to what somebody says, they're going to tell you what's valuable to them. We just don't listen. We're always thinking offensively. And what what am I going to say? How am I going to come across? How can I how can I convince them to do this instead of just listening? People will tell you the way. Let me ask you this: So you're getting thrown a lot of ideas by listening. How do you decide what is still in alignment with you, what you want to speak on and serve, but in a way that you're still meeting the needs of other people? So it's Selfless, yes, but you're still true to what you want to be doing. There's always an influence objective involved. Mm-hmm. People say there's always an angle. Everybody has an angle, right? There's always, and the angles aren't bad. It's like, I want to be influential. I want people to sign up for my coaching. You want people to sign up for your coaching. I want people to sign up for Amplify. I want them to join my mastermind. I want, the, I want them to hire me. There's, there's always those things. So there's some bumper rails, if you will. I'm going to stay with it. I'm not going to go in and talk about underwater basket weaving because that's what they want. I won't. I might chat, but if there are entrepreneurs that do underwater basket weaving, I might want to understand what are the challenges of that. And say, you know, well, it's, I'm not going to talk about breathing apparatuses and things like that. I don't know anything about it. But I might talk about the challenges of managing stress as you're underwater. I could talk about that, right? We could talk about the challenges of building a business and telling a story. Why is why is underwater basket weaving important? If I listen to what their needs were, I could do that. You know, that's why I work in environmental health and safety. I work in financial services and food. Food prep. I work in lumber and and paper making in 400 probably businesses we've done. It's probably even more than that now. Thirty years, but it's it's understanding of where does my skill set, my passion, and my talent fit within their need. That would be the guide. Right. So it's again, it's another piece of knowing oneself, knowing when. And because there's a lot of times I'm like, you know what, I'm not the right person for that. But I say, let me show you who is. Mm. And knowing when to say no. A lot of people say, Renee, you're really smart. I'm like, no, I just know when not to speak. That's, that's, I just know when I just, it's not my lane. I just, I speak only in my lane. So then I sound smart, but man, there are so many lanes I don't know. And and if you get to know me, I'm an introvert. So I don't, I don't speak usually, especially in social settings very much. It's so funny. We hear that all the time. A lot of speakers are introverted, which is really interesting. 
I have a question about just going back to sales and like you, like you are someone that people want on their stages and thinking about selling and asking for what you want, all these things, and you knowing so much about the brain. You talk about this in your book, but I would love for you to talk about the difference between being an influencer or having influence versus manipulation. Like you're manipulating someone to just buy your stuff and how you balance that. You kind of touched on it there, but I think it's super interesting. For sure. I think the people confuse those two all the time. And somebody says that influence is manipulation, then they, they don't understand how often they use influence. So the difference between influence and manipulation to me is three different things. First one is that it's you, the manipulation is the use of persuasion and influence tools to an extreme. So there's number one, there's an extreme use of it. The second part is that it's at the expense of someone. It's in a zero sum game, right? So you win, I lose. I win, you lose, excuse me. And the third is that it's done underhandedly. You don't know what's happening. And so if you're using influence and persuasion to an extreme at the expense of me, and I don't know you're doing it, there's manipulation. But now, if you're using influence skills in a way that benefits both of us and it helps me grow, helps me grow my business. Yeah, I got to pay for this, but it's going to help me grow my business. It's going to help me grow as a person, as a human, and you believe in it, and you have no need to hide the fact that you're passionate and you want me to do this. It's great. I was, I was yesterday I was with uh, Dave Meltzer and this, you know, I've expressed interest in having him coach me because I, I highly value him and really, really just love who he is. And his team has been asking me incessantly. And they came up and said, Renee, we're so sorry we keep bugging. I'm like, do never mm -hmm. apologize for pushing me on something that you are passionate about and you know that I need and that I've expressed that I wanted. I'm just procrastinating. <laughs> and they looked at me and they smiled and they go, thank you. And then the team goes, he goes, Renee, you asked for it. They're going to keep pushing. I said, good. But it's, we should have no qualms about pushing. I call it caring enough to be unreasonable. Ooh, I like that. That's powerful. And it goes back to the word, the worthiness. Like you're recognizing mm -hmm. it in them. This happened to me the other day. I was trying to find a photographer. And uh, the one that I really wanted was double the price. And when I asked her if there was any flexibility on it, she said, absolutely not. You should go with the other one if, if you can't meet my whatever. And I was like, I go, this girl knows her worth from one entrepreneur to another. I appreciate it. I, I saw that she was worth, she had this worthiness about her business and the services she provides. And I like clap for her. And then she followed my business and I followed hers. Cause it's like, when you see that in someone that they know what they have to offer is worth the money and they're charging these prices, it's like, good for you. Okay, now I want to have some of that because I know that what we're providing is of value. It's, I think, a practice, though, getting used to asking for these certain numbers you've never asked for. So what was that like for you when your numbers started going up? I mean, like I said, you have a mm -hmm. million TikTok followers. You have an incredible mastermind, this mm -hmm. book. The list goes on and on of all, the, all of these stages you've been on. What is that like the first time you jack up those prices and you say, Holy shit. Am I really going to charge this? Like, what was that like for you? Scary. It's scary every single time. It's still scary. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, and, it, but to me, fear doesn't matter. Like, it's just, it's kind of the place where, like, fear and confidence don't matter anymore. And here's what I mean by that. I'll come back to those lessons afterwards. It is scary every time. And to me, the way that I did it, and here's the answer, is you, you test. You, let's say you're you're speaking at a 500 bucks is your first time you're, you're new so i got 500 bucks oh, that's really cool one getting paid at all to speak 
you're already in a top tier. Most people don't get paid to speak. So if you're getting any money, that means that that's a good thing. So then you go, okay, next time try five, try a thousand. Okay, it worked. Holy wow. But the confidence didn't precede the ask. The confidence was a gift because you were courageous. Right? Mm -hmm. There's a price to that. Confidence, there's a price. The price is courage. And so if you have the courage to do that, people say, well, once I'm, I need more confidence. No, that's not how that works. Confidence is the trophy. It's the gift afterwards. And if you do that enough and say, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to just try 25. And I'll tell my new speakers, I'm like, I go, what do you say? Well, I've been charging 2,500 bucks. I say, great. Your next one, charge five. You can always come back to 25. You say, well, my typical fee is 5,000. And you listen. If they go, oh, gosh, you know, our, I'm in our budget's 2,500. And then I'd say, well, you know what? I really like what you guys are doing. Would you be willing to meet halfway? Right? Very similar to what we did, right? Now, our situation and my pricing, I have a little different strategy in, in terms of because I'm high ticket and it's also part of our mission. So there's, and we'll come back to that in a minute. Like, I don't want to just serve the rich and famous. I love serving up and coming entrepreneurs. I love serving students, people that, because um, to me, it's not about the price point always. It's about if you have $10 to your name and you're willing to give two of those to me, that is worth more than somebody who's a multimillionaire paying 6000 so to me, that's just because you're, you're, you have more skin in the game than that multimillionaire does. And so to me, if somebody is in that position and they're willing to do that, I'm in as well, right? I, I, I have enough famous and rich people that I work with that I have room for that as well. But that's a different philosophy. And I'm not, I'm not saying that people should do that right now, but I've done that since day one. And so it is scary, but you still need to try it and test it. But then you also, the worthiness comes into, have you put the time in? Have you, do, do, have you solved those problems? Are you, you know, if you're undercharging yourself and overworking, someone is paying that price and it's usually your family. And so then you realize, okay, I'm doing my family and team a disservice. And that was one of the big pieces that I started getting to away from doing the pro bono work in terms of when I just said, I just need the exposure. And I would just tell people, I said, unfortunately, I have to run a business and that business is, has teams. My team is also paid on how well we perform. And so when I do free work, they're doing free work and I can't do that to them. And so I said, so we need to find some way of making this okay. And so I'm just transparent. That's, this is a business and I've got to be able to do it that way. I wouldn't ask you guys to come to work for free. And so please don't ask me. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And so then there's a lot of speakers that have side, you know, that speaking is a side business. Mine is my only business. And so, and you're going to get somebody that 100% focuses on this, which is a very different level of value that somebody does it on the side. And so there's, Lots of ways to sort of frame it and talk about it. Even sometimes I'll tell people, I said, well, there's three types of speakers. One is a paid speaker, which is typically me. And so a paid speaker, you pay them a fee so that they don't sell anything. Now there's somebody that will speak for free, but they'll sell something and pitch something. So basically they're speaking as a sales pitch. So you're giving a very important time slot for a sales pitch to your organization to pay for what you wouldn't pay for. Now that might be okay with you because they can insert and slip in a little value from here to there. And that's okay, but they're going to be extracting some sort of money from your people or there's a third person that won't pitch and doesn't charge they're just new and so you're going to have to there's, there's no way around paying for it and if you put a new person up there and they bomb you paid a couple hundred thousand dollars for that stage 90 dollars a gallon on coffee for someone that didn't add value and you lost credibility as a leader there's a price to pay somewhere yeah just choose where you want to pay and that's what you say in the book is what's the cost of not having me, of not having my service, <laughs> which is such a powerful reframe. 
of anything. Mm. I think that. Oh, go ahead. No, please, please. I was just gonna say to me that helps with my worthiness of I do have value to offer, and if I get out of my own way and put myself into the arena, someone is gonna benefit from that. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, yeah, and, and, what's the and think about it from this perspective too. Like you know, to me. The reason I do that is less about my worthiness, but more about, um, let's talk about what actually matters. The cost doesn't matter. The value does. Because it could cost $10 and you get no value. That's still too expensive. It's too expensive. But if it costs you 10000 or let's say 50000 but the value that you're solving is a million dollars, by not paying that 50000 you are losing the million. So what value are we trying to create? Because that's the real conversation. And that's the, the, the whole concept around is if you don't have a value proposition, your customer is happy to create one for you. They're just going to create it based on the only thing they know how to measure, which is price. And so then you're in a pricing game. So you better be out ahead of that to say, here is the value and how you value what we do. Now, there are certain industries that will never hire me. One of them being a real estate broker. Now, a broker themselves won't hire me because, and I learned this 26 years ago, when I, they were like, Renee, do you, do you know I, I'll never hire you? And they're like, you're one of the best sales trainers I've ever met. I'll never hire you. I'm like, well, why? We're going to grow sales. He goes, Renee, I, I get $100 per every $1,000 of revenue because they pay 90% commissions. I said, do you know how many sales you'd have to grow to cover your fee? It doesn't work. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wow. He goes, but now help me fill these rooms, meaning they want to help him recruit. That's where he makes his money. So you realize that's where his ROI comes from. But then you look at also, let's say, property and casualty. The, an insurance agent that makes two to $300 on a sale isn't probably going to hire somebody as expensive as me because they can't velocitize that. They can't get it back soon. Now, unless they're looking to grow and they got other things like that, and they think that's going to help over time, you get one from here and there, but very rarely. But now you get it like a loan officer or a real estate agent that might make anywhere from three to $15,000 per sale. That's one sale and they'll do that. And so it's, it all depends on how you position the value mm-hmm. against the, the, how they do, how they make revenue. And this is just speaking to the value of a mentor. Like Brooke and I, we're like sponges in business. We're always like, wait, what? Okay. That makes sense. Okay. And with your book and with the way that you speak, I feel like Brooke and I are constantly just soaking in everything that you're saying. And for us, we're at the stage right now where we're just starting to build some courage. Like you kind of touched on earlier. We're starting to be like, okay, we're going to step into this room at Build Your Brand. What? Okay, we're going to join their mastermind. What are we doing? You know, we're going to Renee's house. What's happening? You know, so we're in this space where it's like really uncomfortable and we're stretching, but we know it's going to be worth it because you are how many steps ahead of where we want to be and we can see it. And so I'm just so grateful that you know, we're able to talk with you here and come to your house, these types of things. But I think it's important to talk about the courage scale. And you did a a beautiful uh, speech on this and just how that applies to like maybe the everyday person using the courage scale. Mm. Yeah, that was my first TED talk was Mm -hmm. on the courage scale. Mm -hmm. The courage scale was a a concept that we, it it came out of a book called Power Versus Force by a doctor by the name of Dr. David Hawkins. Uh, He was a medical doctor, world famous medical doctor, psychiatrist, and psychologist, and something like 50 consultation rooms in New York City. He was, he was world famous. And he left that practice to study the, what he created, and he called his consciousness scale. He was my mother's neighbor, actually, in Sedona, Arizona. 
So when we looked at that and she looked at this book and she's like, you know, it's, it's not business friendly because talking about consciousness is, it's not, um, business friendly. So she kind of adapted it a little bit and made it more business friendly. She also realized that, that the middle line of courage, cause it starts in basically he took different states of being going from, uh, death, which is what we added. There was no death. It was, uh, if I can memorize this, it was, uh, guilt, shame, fear, anger, right? And then it went to courage. Now, guilt and shame were 20 and 30. Uh, fear was 100, anger 150, 200 was courage. And then above that was openness, willingness, reason, logic, joy, peace, enlightenment. But that line of courage, we realized that that was a shift that happened when you move from anger to courage. There was something that we, we called the movement from the taking side of life into the giving side. So if you think about living below that line of courage into fear, anger, guilt, shame, uh, and death, right? Do these people give you energy or they take it away? Take it away. They take it away instantly. You can be having a great day and they, they, you get a call on the caller ID and you're like, oh. you just see their name and instantly their energy is sucked away. But now you see somebody, you know, that's above the line, openness, really reason, joy, peace, enlightenment, logic. And they call you, you can be having a horrible day and you see the name, you're like, hey, what's going on? And your energy's up. And so there's this fascinating thing about giving and taking energy that is really depicted well in that courage scale, being above the line or below the line, and the line being the line of 200, which is courage. And so that, that is such a fundamental cornerstone of, of a lot of what we talk about. And, and when people see it, it's one of their favorite tools because it's something that is so easily remembered. Am I above the line or am I below the line? Am I dealing with people that are below the line? Like to me, it's like, if you're below the line, I don't have the time or energy to be a part of it. I, I think my, my, I did a, uh, a buddy of mine like seven years ago, we were in a conversation and he said something. He said, doom and gloom is not, doom and gloom is a mindset, not a market condition. And I was like, dude, that is gold. Ooh. Gold. And if you're doom and gloom, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, I know life is hard. Life is full of suffering and good because it makes me more compassionate, makes me more in touch with people. And there's nothing in life that is worthy or that is good that hasn't come on the opposite end of suffering. Suffering in the gym, suffering, you guys know this well, you guys teach this. Suffer in that gym, suffer in the kitchen, say no to the things that you want so that you can have what you really, really, really need. And so there's a beauty in all of that. And so Courage is, um, yeah, it's the courage skill is powerful. It's so powerful. It's the first time I really heard you speak because we weren't able to stay when you spoke at Jen's. And so in, I think it was the airport doing my research. I'm like, I got to listen to this man just meeting you. This is incredible. And something that you just said that really spoke to me was energy because your energy mm. is powerful. And we all know energy is contagious. So what strategies or practices do you have personally that help you stay at a high vibration? But ask that question a lot. And I, and I, I've been thinking about that mm -hmm. more. I think that, you know, and the answers are somewhat cliche. There's a sense of gratitude that, that follows in that. And I don't think people understand gratitude and how it actually works. The research around gratitude is that the parts of the brain that are triggered um, when you're in truly a feeling in a place of gratitude is you cannot feel anxious or depressed. There are antagonistic parts of the brain. 
And so it's gratitude is one of the truly one of the most powerful places to be. And but yet, and here's the thing, you cannot dupe gratitude. I mean, you can't trick it. You can't be like, well, I'm happy for my two legs and uh, you know, for my family and the gifts on the to the tree. That's not gratitude. Those are just words that sound like what you're supposed to say. But for me, the feeling of saying, hold on a second. If I didn't have this friend, or if I didn't have my wife, if I didn't have so-and-so, God, life would just suck. Mm. I'm so glad that they're here. And you go, and you walk in, and you say, I'm just, you know, I really appreciate you. Thank you for what you did today. Or somebody making you a coffee. And you say, thank you. This really tastes good. And just you really get into that place of saying, this was really nice of you to do this. And you find that place, like, you can't be depressed or anxious in that moment. It just doesn't happen. And so there's a practice that goes into that. And if you practice it, most people that are really, truly good at gratitude don't talk about it. It's just who they are. And for me, it's also about perspective. I think that's the underlying piece, right? Like, what's the perspective? And I think you, you understand life through its opposite. And so if I want to know, value you, I have to remember what life was without you. And I have to keep that really clear. It's very easy. Familiarity breeds contempt. It's very easy to take for granted this of those that are closest to you. And I'm not above that, by the way. It happens to me too. And I have to sometimes get reminded of that. Have you ever, have you ever struggled with your mental health? Like have you ever been depressed or had anxiety or anything like that? So I am diagnosed with ADD. And so that, I mean, that's considered a I think it's a, <laughs> I think it's a gift. My my mentor said it's it's not ADD, it's ADI, it's attention deficit intelligence. Mm -hmm. So he kind of helped <laughs> me reframe that. And but if I'm not careful about it, I can drive people around me crazy. Mm. And so there's uh, there's that. Have I, I've had panic attacks, and and that was after uh, an incident that happened. It was more of a, a an acute PTSD on something that happened. I felt that it's not often anxiety is not something I. Um, that I wrestle with, I have felt it. Breathing is my secret weapon for that. It's, I do a lot. And that might be one of the things I guess I do. I just, breathing is so critical to me, just learning how to breathe. And there's so many different formats of it, but just like the, the, the oxygen of life, if done right, is this the coolest high there is. And when you know how to manage the sympathetic nervous system, which is what's going on in that moment of panic, like, I guess part of it's too, is I also understand it's, it's function so well that to me, it's like, okay, I got to switch something else on and then breathe. And that just switches everything and it just changes everything. And to me, I can imagine it, I can see it. And so there's a lot of intentionality to it. And it's um, professional athletes do it, Olympians do it, uh, speakers do it. It's, it's just, it's one of the most powerful things there is. And so I think that that is one of the pieces there. Um, depression, no, that's, I mean, that's something that you got to feel that way for two weeks. Uh, I don't have the luxury of feeling that way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think there's a correlation with uh, keeping yourself moving and working. That I think there's a lot of research around this and how you deal with depression. You know, and I got a lot of flack for saying this, but I don't know many farmers who are depressed. There's too much shit to do. They just got to get things done. You they go back stay to out in the sun. Days. You know, they're out grounding. Yeah, and hard work. Yeah, They've got a mission. They're pushing their bodies. There's their blood is flowing. There's there's something there that doesn't mean they don't experience sadness, but they still they they can't afford to stay stuck in bed. They keep moving through it. And I think there's a beauty in that movement. And there's a lot of research, even as uh, you watch the world pass on your cornea and your retina. And 
the movement of if I'm walking, just just taking a walk and the trees moving by, it triggers dopamine and, and serotonin. And so that's life's antidepressant is to literally move through life, not just moving, but to walk through and let things come and go. And the, the, the novelty of new scenery, all of that creates dopamine. Mm -hmm. I love this so much. I just love conversations with people that are so powerful. And then also you're a human being and you're doing basic things to take care of yourself, basic things that make a huge impact on your vibration, how you carry yourself, how you're able to do so much and impact so many people. And so I'm just so grateful that one, you're putting this into words that we can understand because I felt like how am I going to take someone that's doing this and apply it to my mm -hmm. life? And so you did in your book, and I'm so excited we get to see you in person. There are a few more segments we have on our show that we want to get to, though. Uh, and one of them is called Your Three Gold Stars. So what we always do with every guest is we just say, hey, if you had three top tips for anybody based off of your life, what you've learned, your major lessons, what would they be for our listeners? No pressure. <laughs> sure. No, yeah, no pressure at all. I, so I'm just going to go, the first one we talk about is you have to reframe suffering. Suffering got a bad rap. It's got a bad brand. And suffering is, is a beautiful experience. I mean, there's nothing more grounding and humbling than to suffer through something. There's also nothing more to create more of, more of a sense of accomplishment and uh, gratitude to feel the accomplishment after hard work. And the, there, there isn't any thing in life that is valuable that didn't come on the opposite end of something difficult and when you realize that difficulty is what trains us and what makes us and then the moment and go look at the opposite make someone's life really easy and who do they become do you think they become better people make a child's life just simple give them everything they want all the time no suffering protect them from the world are you creating a contributing human being and somebody that can deal with life no, you've ruined them. They're monsters. Now, somebody, I know, yeah. like, we got to go on a service trip. I just booked feed my starving children. Like, we got to be. Yeah. It's too easy and there's, for there's a sense of just, the, and that's where self-esteem comes from, too, and a confidence to go, I can push this. Now, you want to get nerdy? Let's talk about, and I'm, I'm going to look this up as we go, but I believe it's the, it's the anterior mid-cingulate cortex. Okay. Okay. I knew this, this thing existed. But the, the anterior mid-cingulate gyrus, it's, I'm confused with the gyrus, but it's the cortex. And I believe it's anterior, but I know it's mid-cingulate cortex. When we do hard work or things we don't like, that part of the brain grows. And so it is found much larger in athletes, farmers, entrepreneurs, successful business people. This you'll love. Guess who it's found very small in? obese people. So think about that. Now, I am not judging somebody who's obese as somebody who just recently lost 102 pounds of body fat in the last two and a half years. I'll show you the pictures. I have the receipts. <laughs> it, it is, what it says is, when we do things we hate, that part of the brain grows. And when we don't, the part of the brain gets small. And when you look at who has the bigger ones, who has the smaller ones, <laughs> let the jokes go. <laughs> it, it shows that, like, for example, cold plunging. If you hate the water and that cold and you get in there anyways, it grows. But now you go in again and you love it, it doesn't grow. Mm. You go oh, out there man, and you what about me doing marathons? Now I've done 25. Is it probably not growing anymore? <laughs> 
I bet you hate every one of them. And the training is difficult. There is no enjoyable marathon. Mm. There's been a couple, but. Oh, I've, well, then I've, maybe, maybe. But then maybe you got to start doing an ultra. Oh, God. Okay. Push it up. Right? We got a brain but, to grow. But, Come on. <laughs> but here's the thing. It is still, that's a difficult task. Yeah. That is a very respectable and difficult task. But, but the, the thing about it is that it's also what's so cool about it is that you can change it by just doing the things that you hate. This is where the brilliance of David Goggins comes out mm-hmm. to play, right? This is the brilliance of just why, not only for the, for the hormonal impact of what cold plunging is, but now there's, it's a measurable scientific thing that now they're tying that part of the brain to the will to live, mm. the will to live. And so when you look at those that continue to lift weights, difficulty, continue to do things that are difficult into their old age, they live longer. And a lot of studies have been showing that the, the death begins as we start pushing away difficulty and seeking comfort. And so death is the, the search for comfort. God, this is so but, good. Oh my gosh. Every the, time I do something I hate, like when it comes to like in business, cause it's uncomfortable and I don't know it, I'm going to have a new mindset. This is the thing. Mindset is everything. When I hate something I'm learning or I'm at your house and I'm scared and I'm learning how to speak in front of people and I'm nervous, I'm going to be like, my brain's growing. My brain is growing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to live longer because of this. And I'm going to thank you. I really appreciate that. That is a powerful tip. Well, you're, you're growing the part of the brain that deals with difficulty. And it's also, there's a part, it's very associated with the part of the brain that deals with quitting. And so there's, a, there's literally a science to quitting. And what happens is a certain piece that starts to run out of its energy runs out of dopamine. And when you run out of that dopamine, you start losing the will. And then somebody comes by, that's why you need people like you to say one more. Dopamine refills just like that. And you can push out one, maybe two or three more. The beauty of having people around you cheering you on, that's dopamine. There's all sorts of beautiful things that come on in the, the science behind why people like you are needed. And so it's like, I didn't do the weight loss by myself. I had people surrounding me, pushing me to do things that I don't like to do. I had to do them, not perfectly, but consistently enough over time, I had to do them. And so it's, it's, there's a lot in that, that it's, it's fun. I feel like you just gave seven gold stars. Yeah. We'll count that as three. That was Well, that was, that was actually the first one. That was the first one. You got, if suffering. you want more, you can give more. But those that we can take that as three gold stars if you'd like. Let's, let's do it. All right. Our next segment is Unleashing Ivy. These are three rapid fire questions. Are you ready? We get a drink. And I, will be. I feel like this whole thing was just rapid fire. Really <laughs> been great. I'm ready. I'm ready. Do you want me to go? Sure. All right. Oh, thought you were ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm deciding between two, and I feel like you know what they might be. Okay. I always like to go back to people's childhood, adolescence, thinking about that. And I know in your book, you touched on that you had a great relationship with your mom and didn't know your father. And I'm so curious, and I know that your mom was brilliant or is brilliant, is how your parents played into this person you are today with all this influence and confidence like how your childhood kind of molded you into what you are today? You know, um, probably a lot. And, and I think it's, you know, my mother worked a lot. She was, she was somebody who was very passionate, very purpose and mission driven. So parenting wasn't her number one thing. She was a loving mother. She taught me, uh, she's the one that, she's the reason why I do what I do. And, but she didn't do everything for me. And so growing up, that was a little frustrating. 
but then it also just became all that I knew. And so you just had to learn how to become very resourceful and to do things on your own. And you found a lot of internal motivation to do things. It wasn't, I wasn't motivated to do it. She didn't check on my homework. Um, it was probably one of the reasons I didn't do well in school initially. And, but there was, I think a lot of it was, she just was somebody who worked all the time. And so she showed me what work ethic really meant up early, up the state, uh, up early, stayed up late and was somebody that was also purpose-driven. And so watching her, her goal, her goal in life was global peace and community. That's all she wanted. And so seeing somebody that was constantly working for something greater than just money forced me to go, why am I doing this all the time? Asking why, why, why? This is in, in my nature. And if my why, if I don't have a purpose behind it, it's just, I can't do it. It's very hard. I don't like small talk. I don't like, I, I just don't have the patience for it. And so for me, and it's, it's, it's also frustrating because then I'm just not as fun, you know, in certain scenarios, but the, it's just, I guess this is who I am in that sense. And so for me, it was really learning how to be resourceful and find the solutions. Love that. Yeah. It's powerful stuff. I love too, that it's beyond yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. It's business, but it's also like, why am I up late and getting up early. I got to have a reason for it. And I think being mission driven helps me at least with that inner critic. I'm curious, and this is my question, what has helped you over the years and still does with your inner critic? Great question. Thank you. Realizing that it's a liar. Oh. Yep. And it's there. Uh-huh. I just, you know, in sales, what I tell people, I said, you have to, I, I, I everybody has that little voice that says, don't do this. It's not going to work. But I learned a long time ago that, that, that the law of averages is more accurate than my little voice inside. And so if I just keep doing it, it, I'll get a percentage of results in this in some way. It may not be good in the beginning. It's probably going to be horrible in the beginning, but I'll get a result. So I have to make up in numbers what I lack in skill. And that the law of averages is a much more accurate voice than my little inner critic. And so I had to learn that it just shut the fuck up. Oh, I love that. Thank you. We're both working on that, that it's. It's that gap, especially as an entrepreneur, you always know you could be doing more. Mother, you always know you could be doing more. And the inner critic gets so loud sometimes. And I love that, that it's like, if you think of it more like do the thing and learn from it. It might not be perfect, but you're moving in the right direction more. Yeah. And that, and a lot of that inner critic, that voice is the voice of your parents. I tell people all the time, I said, be careful what you speak to your kids because that becomes their inner voice. And it's a, it's a, that's a powerful piece. And so then part of me too is like, I don't need to, I don't need to take on your voice. And that's, that was yours. It wasn't mine. Like I, and then also drowned it out. Listen to positive things all the time. Just if you're constantly feeding your brain with great stuff and, and mental nourishment, there, there's no room for that negative inner critic. And after a while, you start adopting those voices that you hear all the time. I love that. Wonderful. And your book hints at some of the good ones. So get the book. Amplify your influence. Oh, we have one more question. I almost didn't say it. If you could go back, Renee, to younger Renee, any age, and tell him something, what age would he be and what would you say? Hmm. Save more money and eat better. Work out more. Save more money, eat better. Simple. Money and health. How money old would you health. be? When did you need to hear it? Uh, when I got cut from the basketball team. I was uh, 19. I was cut from a college basketball team, sophomore year. Oh, brutal. I think this is an important question, so I'm just going to ask and be selfish. What made you decide to lose the 102 pounds of fat? 
several things. One was um, I'd, I'd done it a couple of times. I'd, I'd kind of, you know, I was a college athlete, so I, I, I knew what working out was and I knew what it was, but I got so busy that I just, I forgot about it. I just got, it was a convenient way. And when I looked in Zoom and, and COVID happened and I had to look at my face in the mirror in the Zoom call and going, oh my God. And then I started asking myself, would I trust me anymore? Because at some point, you know, I had the same content that I do now that back then. I was still just as good. But people, so people would give me a pass. But then I'm like, man, that, that pass is going to run out at some point because there's, a, there's an, an integrity issue here. I'm talking about understanding change and dealing with suffering. I wasn't talking about suffering back then too much. But dealing with all these things and, and goal setting and clearly cannot master even my own self. How about we begin at home? And I asked myself this question, what if I actually had my health in order? What would life look like? And I just began and COVID came in. I lost a hundred events in a week. There's no travel, no in-person gatherings. I called the trainer and I said, I was busy. He goes, I, I lost all my clients. I said, well, you just gained one that's going to hire you every single day until <laughs> this comes back. And uh, we hired him every single day and we killed it. And then went to the next one. Then I learned, you know, hit a plateau and then I learned something new and then learned about anti-inflammatory eating and foods and what that did. And it's funny, I ate pasta last night for the first time and I'm seeing my face a little puffier today from one day to the next. And it's like, mm, stupid decision, bad outcome. That's why I didn't do it before. So make the decision. It takes you a couple of days to get it back, but it's, it's knowing that there was an, in, it was a, in, in, uh, that there was a, uh, what's the word, um, uh, an integrity issue at stake and then looking at my kids and going, okay, I don't know any 300 pound, 80, 80 year old men. I don't know any 280 pound year old, 80 year old men. So I've got a, so this is a choice of living life or death. You chose life. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Wow. I love it, man. We could sit with you forever. I really feel like this book, I have so many questions. I'm so happy we're coming to your house and we're going to fire them at you there. And we are so appreciative of your time. We know you are a sought-after man. <laughs> so happy you're in Minnesota, too, so it's easier to find you. We appreciate you. We thank you for the work that you're doing. And we always leave our listeners with a piece of gold. The last thing is a quote. Your favorite quote or a quote of yours, something that speaks to you to sign us out of here. Sure. And one, first of all, before I say that, thank you. It was an honor to be on here. And this was fun. You guys are great. You guys have a great chemistry. And it was uh it was fun ask, being asked different questions. So one, thank you for the prep work and, and thank you so much for reading the book. That means a lot. Quote, I will go with Amelia Earhart. It's, it's more of become a mantra. And she said, courage is the price that life, life exacts for granting peace. Those that know it not, they know no release from little things. They know not the livid loneliness of fear, nor mountain heights where bitter joy can hear the sound of wings. So to me, the quote, what it means is that courage is the price that life exacts for granting peace. Basically, life says you want peace, there's a price, it's courage. Those that know it not, meaning those that don't show courage, they know no release from little things. They're stuck in the little steps of life. They know not the livid loneliness of fear, which is you show courage, you're going to be scared. There's going to be a lot of fear. They know no livid loneliness of fear, nor mountain heights, which is the opposite that courage could provide you, where bitter joy can hear the sound of wings. Wow. This is Gold Ivy signing off. Listen to your truth and go chase your gold. 
We want to thank you and encourage you to celebrate yourself for taking the time to learn and get inspired in your one beautiful life. And if this podcast means something to you, it would mean so much to us if you'd be willing to take 30 seconds to help support our mission to keep bringing you inspiring stories and guests. First, following the podcast is important because it helps you never miss an episode. To do this, just go to the Ivy Unleashed podcast show page on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And then just tap the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner or click on follow. While you're there, if you'd be so kind to give us a five-star rating and review and share your favorite episode with a friend, we'd be so grateful for your support. We are thrilled you're here and are so happy that you're taking time to prioritize your wellness, self-discovery, and growth with us.